Welcome to Life is a Metaphor mini podcast, where we explore the many metaphors that life has to offer. I've heard people talk about others being morally bankrupt, and I've probably heard people use the term spiritually bankrupt, too. Uh, But I think it's really worth playing around with this metaphor of bankrupt because it sort of touches upon finances and money and economics in a way that I think lends itself to some other juicy details, if only we kind of inquire further. And I've heard people talk in the positive sense about wealth, like wealth isn't just possessions or things or money. Wealth has to do with connections and the people that you love and these intangible things in life, too. And, you know, your abundance is all about, like, love and things, not just tangible assets. And that, you know, abundance is this larger thing. Yes, great, awesome. That's kind of still the same metaphor, right? Like thinking about wealth and money and like playing with that concept that we understand so well in the material world and letting it apply to non-material things. Um, But then when we hear a statement like someone's morally bankrupt, then yeah, we're talking about a non-material aspect, something like morals being bankrupt and having none. And usually when people are referring to that, it's just like a quick way to refer to somebody is just like having no morals and having no ethics. But they don't kind of inquire further and extend the metaphor of like, why? Why don't they have any? Um, Is it just because they, you know, didn't get paid with any (laughs) or they, but anyway, so that's the part I want to get into because um, more so I'm going to kind of leave the morally bankrupt thing alone. Although I'm sure many of the things that we'll have to say about it um, apply to that one too. The ones that I find more interesting are um, the terms like spiritually bankrupt or um, bankrupt or broke in the inner world like they they're just broke they don't have an inner world they're totally poor in their inner world and it's not because you know often with the morally bankrupt things it's just like this person just like has none they were just born like that or yeah i don't think that when it comes to like spiritual bankruptcy you know spiritual bankruptcy and having an inner world that is really destitute like that or just like empty of um the wealth and riches I think that it's not. It's not actually empty of it. Uh, But I do, but using the financial analogies, this is why I think this is important. Because how does someone go about getting bankrupt? You know, well, maybe they're not doing any work. So they don't have any income, any, you know, payment or wealth that is the exchange for their work. So if someone gets spiritually bankrupt or their inner world is very bankrupt it's because they're not doing the work maybe one of the reasons you know is because they're not doing work and putting labor and energy in those departments of course then you would be bankrupt because you're not going to get any exchange of wealth or currency for your labor if you're not putting any labor in those areas so then yes you'll be spiritually bankrupt you will be uh inner world bankrupt and then the other component is maybe they're not making any investments there you know they're not investing in their inner world. They're not investing in their spirituality. 
They're not putting any focus or, you know, of their current wealth, which is sort of the same as them not putting their labor into it because your labor is your wealth. That is something that you possess that is yours and it is your wealth. So that's essentially the same thing. But as we know with finances, you can also put your wealth back into your wealth. You know, it's sometimes in the form of raw labor and sometimes it's investment of something that you've already gained or some wealth that you've already got and you're putting it back in and making more wealth off of that. And the same goes for spiritual wealth. You know, if you're taking an insight that you have and then, or that you've gotten through your own labor and and investing your time and energy and man hours in spiritually developing yourself or taking a look in your inner world or getting to know your inner world and then you've gotten some insights or some self-love or some empowerment or clarity or something and then reinvesting that further into your spiritual life, your inner world, whatever, then yeah, you're going to then have some more spiritual wealth. Spiritual bankruptcy is way less likely in that case. Um, So I think it kind of helps to make it clear because when someone's bankrupt in the financial terms, we don't see it as like, well, they were born that way and it'll forever be that way. It's like something that happens temporarily and it's usually because they're not paying attention to their wealth. They're not using it wisely. They're not, uh, you know, giving forward their labor and their energy, or they're not investing energy. They're not a part of a flowing economy. And so that kind of gets me into the next part. A flowing economy is a really important concept or part of the metaphor too, because it's often said to people who are broke and having financial difficulties in the material world with money that, you know, surrounding yourself with other wealthy people is important. And it's not just so that their energy and their wisdom can rub off on you. Of course, I'm sure that is also true. But an economy requires like giving and receiving and exchange. And so, You need a flowing economy in order to have this fluid giving and receiving. You know, if you are, and this is the same for the spiritual wealth or for the inner world wealth. If you don't want or find yourself more spiritually broke or than you want to be or just, you know, in a state of inner world bankruptcy or something like that, you need to insert yourself. It it can be about how much labor you put in and, you know, make sure that you're making investments in your spiritual wealth and, you know, make sure that you are investing your time and your energy and your labor and your investments and reinvesting in your inner world. Absolutely. But the other component is inserting yourself into a, an economy, a spiritual economy, an inner world economy that is fluid and that has a lot of flow in it, meaning lots of giving and receiving, lots of wealth, lots of money in it, um, you know, wealth in the terms or money in the terms of juicy spiritual treasures, you know, things to pass back and forth, things to give and receive. So inserting yourself in a situation among others who have spiritual wealth, who have rich inner worlds, who have a lot of spiritual and inner world wealth 
to share and pass around so there can be this fluid exchange of give and receive. So putting yourself in that kind of climate matters too, because then that just by nature of putting yourself in a thriving economy, a thriving spiritual economy, that elevates your spiritual flow and wealth and puts you in a less likely to be bankrupt or broke state. Absolutely. But this was just a metaphor that I wanted to give some attention to because, like I said before, we do sometimes talk about wealth of the things that are not tangible, like the wealth of having the love and the friendship of others. And those are important. And the same rules kind of apply, you know, making sure that you're investing in love and connection with others and putting your labor towards it so that you can get paid with that kind of wealth, you know, but paid back in return and exchange and making sure you insert yourself into an economy of love with a lot of love flowing um, and a lot of available resources, tons of really rich <laughs> treasureful love to pass around. Um, absolutely. That's definitely the smart stuff to do if you want there to be a lot of wealth of connection and love in your life. But sometimes I think we forget that in a way, I mean, that's great and that's wonderful and do it up. But there's this other wealth too that I really you know, I talk about the inner world a lot and I'm always a proponent, but like that's an that's a wealth. It's a form of deep, deep, deep personal wealth that is this vital part of the the intangible economy. The economy filled with all kinds of things like connections with others and love because having a rich inner world, investing in something like that seems almost primary to me um, in establishing personal wealth, personal intangible wealth. Because when you invest in your inner world and put your labor towards it and insert yourself in this fluid, amazing economy of others with rich inner worlds, um, then it's sort of this foundational block uh, because when you do that, it's sort of this first prime prime directive or, or uh, primary step that gets you going towards having much more wealth to give to others. You know, if you have a rich inner world and have explored what you've got, because your birthright is your inner world. That's the raw material you were given. It's like being born um, and inheriting land that you were born on. It's your raw material. That inner world is your land, your landscape. And get in there and work the land, harvest stuff off of it. Get in there and put your labor in so that you've got wealth, that you're pulling from it. Um, and then this is perfect for exchange because then it only kind of spirals out from there and gets more and more complex in a web of wealth after that. Um, and so I just see it as this really important primary step because, okay, you've got this inner world, you've got wealth. When you develop that personal wealth, then you may exchange it with someone else and create connection. And then you've got that kind of wealth, you know, um, and you can't even hardly 
exchange or participate in a very fluid and rich love uh, economy unless you have this inner world wealth from yourself. You know, it's like, where do you even have love to draw from and give if not from that inner world, if not from that beautiful piece of land in, in you that was your birthright, that you're drawing that love out of the wellspring of your heart, which is totally in your inner world, then, you know, you have love to give. Because give and receive is the economy. You know, that is the way to exchange. That is the way to build wealth. That is, you know, the fluid dynamic. That's it. It's the definition. And, um, or supply and demand, whatever you want to say, but it's, it's essentially give and receive And, you know, that's how it all works. That's how the whole system goes. But you have to have something to give. And where you get that, that raw material is that gift that we're all given of our inner world. And that's where you get your first thing to give, you know. And so you have to put your attention and your focus and your labor towards that so that you can then receive um, this wealth or create this wealth of inner world that then turns into the love that you have to give to someone else so that you are then participating and giving and receiving in a love economy and a connection economy. And then this turns into material wealth. I mean, the labor that we give, um, the attention and focus and labor and skill and the time on our clock that we have every day in this life that we give for material wealth even, you know, the hours that we punch in on a clock, like kind of aren't even um, possible. I mean, they are. You can totally do it blindly and coldly like an automaton. But, you know, the people that are making the most wealth um, aren't hopefully, I mean, obviously, there's exceptions to every rule. But you know, hopefully aren't just doing it like that. And and you would think that it wouldn't even work because it has to be from an inner wealth, a deep inner world or spiritual wealth of passion, or discipline or focus or challenging themselves, you know, something there that they are even able to give that labor that they are being so handsomely rewarded for with their extremely high paycheck or their thriving business or, you know, whatever. So, you know, to me, it's just this system that is very much like an economy that starts that and all the metaphors work for all the intangible pieces of wealth. Um, But it almost seems to start, in my opinion, at this place of inner world or spiritual wealth and making sure you're not bankrupt and making sure that you're participating in an inner world economy, investing, giving labor and, you know, exchanging with others in a fluid economy of inner world resources and spiritual wealth, inner world wealth, making sure that you're around others. I can't even stand to be around others, honestly, that don't have, I mean, I have to, and I can appreciate people who don't have inner world wealth because, you know, they have their stories too, but, um, and their journey with those stories too. 
but gosh, it feels so good to me to be in a thriving economy around others that have a ton of luscious, rich, lavish, treasured, deep, wealthy inner worlds. Being around people with really broke inner worlds, um, and I don't mean broken, but you know, broke as in no money, no wealth, that just doesn't feel as good. It doesn't feel, um, it feels like a huge limit, a huge limit has been placed on the exchange that can be given and received. Um, The exchange between us is just so limited that it's crippling and it's so sad that I kind of just get hung up on that element. Yeah, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to even exchange much at all. So anyways, I just thought it was an interesting metaphor to flesh out, play with, and sort of mention how perhaps the origin of all of the wealth is this primary economy, which is the economy of the inner world. And like I said, that raw material that's your birthright that is your inner world. Thank you so much for listening. I've always loved playing with ideas and deepening in any way that I can. I find it brings connection back. It enlivens you, especially if you're using real play and games to do it. So come and check out all the games and stuff that we've got going on at bringconnectionback.com.